Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of National Fire Radio on our audio channels. Today, I got a rock star with me, man. I say that every episode, but it's because I, I want to interview and talk to people that I truly enjoy conversing with. And uh, this guy I just saw a couple weeks ago in Columbus, Ohio at Firehouse Expo. We've chatted a bunch of times in the past. Assistant Chief Jacob Johnson of the Perlin, Texas Fire Department. 22 years in the fire service, 15 years on the line in Perlin, He's now sitting in headquarters as the assistant chief of a very fast-growing department in an area of Texas that is just uh, spilling over with population and and growth. And so we're going to take the conversation in that direction. But first, let me just give a quick introduction. Jacob, thanks for joining me, brother. Hey, brother. I really appreciate it, my man. It's it's a good way to end a Friday here in the office, man, on that old ivory tower, like you were saying. Ah, I love that. I did say that before. He said, ah, I said, what, what are you in the firehouse? Well, he's like, ah, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm assistant chief now. So I go, oh, the ivory tower downtown. <laughs> I'm bringing the light <laughs> well, to the dark side, my man. You know what? Well, there's something to be said for that. And we should talk about that because, um, you know, we think of downtown or we, we think of that ivory tower or headquarters as a place that we don't want to be. Yep, exactly. Exactly. It, it, it's, it's becoming this thing. And you know what, look, I was one of those guys, right? I was like, look, I'm a shift worker for life. I'm an ops guy for life. I'm going to be the salt of the earth with the old, you know, battalion chief that's in the corner over there in his office with coffee stains down his shirt and, and always looks grumpy, you know, and, uh, and man, uh, uh, an opportunity presented itself that I sure didn't think would ever come my way in my career. And, uh, you know, when you have people to the left and right of you here in this building that that are true students of the craft and are true brothers and and are firefighters in every sense of the word, you can't pass that up to not come and learn from them. You know, so uh, I took the leap, man. And great and I'm opportunity. Here, I'm loving it. It's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So talk to me about that, because I do know. So I think my first uh, let me think. Let me think. I think my first time of hearing you speak um, was probably on Corley's show, The Weekly Scrap. Right? You uh-huh. were you were on there. I think that was the episode. I listened to it. Um, I try to catch as many as I can. Corley's a friend of mine, and I love what he's doing. And he he's got a good program and a great message. And uh, and I listened to the passion you have in, in 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 the conviction you have and the love of your department, but more so your people. And, sure. you know, there's a lot of things that I took away from your episode when I was listening. I was like, man, I got to reach out to this guy. I was like, this is <laughs> this is a guy that invests in his people. And Absolutely. so and so I just to filter back to that question, I said, nobody wants to go downtown. Why would I want to go downtown? But you just said downtown is where you want to be. Right. Absolutely, man. You know, I mean, because you're right, I am. I'm I'm a people person, you know, and my fire chief said it perfectly yesterday in a conversation we were having is, you know, you will never be known in admin. You will never be known or remembered for the amount of firehouses you build, for the amount of fire trucks you buy, for the amount of equipment you buy or what type of equipment you buy. But you will always be remembered by the way you treat people. And so looking into it, you know, I'm thinking like, yeah, he's exactly right. Like, this is what I've been saying for a long time. Like you want to build morale, treat people right. You know, right. spending money, yep. spending, spending money and, and buying fancy things and buying trucks and, and buying equipment, like all that's cool, but that's just band-aids to the bleeding of, of morale on our, on, on our job. And, um, you know, if you start investing in people's abilities and you start empowering these people and trusting their judgment and trusting their decisions, you're going to put a lot better fire department, man, in the end. And, and I've, I've been trying to live that for quite a few years. And, uh, man, it's really paid dividends in, in a positive way for me. Well, there's a couple things there, right? One, then you're putting the department before yourself, right? Because, sure. like, right. the only way you're going to invest in your people to make the department better, right? If your goal is to make the department better, that's what you need to do. But that means that you're putting the department before yourself. And, two, it also comes down to the fact that it takes work. A hundred percent. Talk about, talk about that because I think that's why a lot of people take the easy way out and they don't invest back in or they don't invest in people. It's because it takes effort. Right. Well, you know, and there's two dynamics there, Jeremy. Like, so there's, we'll, we'll talk about both of them here for a second. Yeah, so you, please. You, you have, you have one dynamic that is you used to be the jerk or you used to be the person that, that, 
was grumpy all the time or, or wanted to be this old school firefighter, even though we're in 2022. And so you thought like treating the, the probies like crap or, or talking down to people was the way that fire service was. And, and then you wake up and you're like, no, this isn't it. And you start investing in people and those people don't want to buy what you're selling. Right. Because they're like chief said, they are remembering you and how you treated people. And so when it comes to that dynamic, you have to put in the work to yourself and, and to, for you to stay consistent in your actions and in your words and in your messages so that people eventually start to buy what you sell. You know, you almost have to be that that Kirby vacuum salesman where you go to one house and they tell you no. So you go back the next week and they, they let you demo it in front of them. Then you go back the next week and they demo it themselves. And you go back the next week and you finally make the sell because you're consistent in your messaging, consistent in your delivery. And so that's one dynamic of it, right? Just to round it out short. But on the back end, the second dynamic is maybe you've always been a positive person. Maybe you've always invested in people. And so your job is to put in work into the people who are negative or into the people that have the bad attitudes or into the people that don't really bite off into the job and get them to understand there's so much more than what they're seeing, that they are becoming their own blinders. Their, their attitude and their message to themselves is becoming what's slowing them down and stopping them. And so you have to dive in and really invest in them and put in that, that hard work into them as an individual. So therefore you take the blinders off their eyes and they're able to see the greatness that this job has and the honor that's in this job and what it takes to be a special person on this job. You, you have to continuously work to make sure that you grab a hold of every moment and never miss the opportunity to make an impact, you know? Yeah, I do. And I also think that the caveat to all that too, though, is at some times, People aren't buying. And at some point we have to acknowledge and admit that not everyone can be saved. Not everyone can be turned and not everyone can dial in and be a part of the greater good. That's right. hundred percent. Right. I mean, it's, and, and that's the part that nobody ever wants to touch. Correct. That's the convert. That's the conversations that people don't want to have. You know, I watched firsthand out in Columbus, a group of guys came up to you, you and I were together and they said, Hey, can we ask you a question about your class earlier today? And then, you know, you spoke at at firehouse expo, right? You did your program, right? People pulled you aside. I watched these three guys and I walked away after a little while and came back to find you later, but because I wanted to give you your space with them. But the, the thing was, is they, they kept, asking about a one individual they have in their department. What do we do? How do we do this? How do we combat this? And like you and I later on, we, we talked about a couple issues. One was the fact that not everybody could be saved and not everybody can subscribe and be a part of the culture that we're building. If you're building a first class culture that endorses your people, some people just can't fit. Just like some people can't be a professional basketball player. Some people can't be a firefighter. It is that it, right. it sometimes is that way. But the other thing, too, is how much work does it take, right? I asked you that before. How much work goes into to building that culture and in, 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 uh, lifting your people up and building your people up to become part of that culture? It takes a lot of work, and it takes the greater good to do it. It can't just be one guy. 100%. Yeah, it cannot be one guy, right? You you have to have, and, and I hate to sound like this, right, but you got to act like a football team and you got to have your head coach and you got to have your, uh, you got to have your head coach. You got to have your, your offensive coordinators, your defensive coordinators, and you got to have your cheerleaders, man, you know? And, and to me, it's like when I, when I look at cheerleaders, it's, you have guys who have bought off into your program and girls that have bought off into your program, or you have a small following in your department and together you tackle the problem. Right. And so it's like, it's, it's real simple. And people say, why do you always go back to football? Well, I'll tell you why, because right now the fans don't get excited. If the cheerleaders don't, don't hype them up. The fans don't get excited. if The band doesn't play their favorite school song. The, the head coach isn't going to be able to, to manage the whole team without his, without his coordinators. The, the players don't know the plays and don't know how to run them correctly if the coaches don't coach. And so there's a significant piece to every puzzle. And so when it comes to that, it takes, it takes a village, right, to change that culture and to empower that culture. And, and it, it's more than just one person saying this is what they got to do and banging a drum. It's people believing in the mission and believing in the culture that's trying to be established and letting them do all the hard work while you sit back and support them. Right. And I don't mean sit back and be lazy on it, but sit back and provide that consistent that consistency that they need 
and the consistent message and the positive message they need to push forward. And, and when you when you reach those people that are hard or those people that just don't want to be here, don't want to do the job, then that's where, sadly, the supervisor has to come out with you in you. And you got to have those hard conversations. Yeah. And you can't be afraid you, of having them. No, you cannot. You right. have to be able to tell them, look, this is wrong. This is this. And I know everybody uses the word discipline and this and that and the other. Look, man, I am people before paper all day long. You can fix, in my opinion, 90% of the problems on the job with just hard talks. I'm not talking like, well, if you do this, then we can do this. I'm saying, hey, man, you are not meeting the expectations. I need you to step up your game. I need you to meet the expectations because if you don't, this is what's going to happen. Do not put me in this situation because I promise you yeah. I will do my job. Yes. Right? And then you go and then and then I'm telling you, 90 percent of the time, those conversations fix behaviors and attitudes and gets them to open up and take their blinders off and start not fully, but start to accept the culture for what it is and make a change within themselves. You you mentioned two words that are, um, I think, at the very core of what we've been talking about for the last 10, 15 minutes, consistency, which we often lack in the fire service. 100 percent. And expectations. Mm -hmm. Let's start with consistency. It is hard. It is hard to be consistent. It takes discipline. It takes drive. It takes ambition. It takes understanding that it takes patience, right? These are all characteristics that individuals need to have in order to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Make consistency the, the 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 in the spotlight of a fire department, man. Is that hard? Oh, it's very hard, right? Because what is what is the age old saying, right? If you have three shifts with six stations on each shift, you have eighteen fire departments. Correct. You know, and and you know, and I hate to sound like this, right? Because it's it, it, a bunch of people out there are gonna say, "Oh, he's just policy driven, policy driven." No, I'm not policy driven, but you build consistency with policy. Right. I get it. But but by but with consistency, right, consistency and it, it's a big word, but let's not mistaken or let's not forget, I should say, that consistency doesn't work without consistent accountability. Yes. Right. So I, I have a policy in my department of this is our deployment model on fires. This is how we will attack fires. The first in engine crew, the second in engine crew, the first in truck, the first or second in truck, first in medic, so on and so forth. That is just job functions, right? And so many people want to get caught up on that. And I'm, I'm not saying in Pearland, but I'm saying in general, sure. a lot of fire departments have these deployment models and they get caught up on, if I'm on an engine, I'm only fighting fire. Well, yeah, but you have to be able to use your skills and your abilities and you have to be able to call uh, audibles if you need to, to come off of that. But in general, that policy, that deployment model is going to build consistent attacks and consistent way of thinking on the fire ground. So if you take that and you apply it to your policies and procedures that drive the main meat and potatoes of the fire department, which is the admin work that everybody doesn't want to talk about, but, but is important. If you come in every day and you set the expectations of we're going to check out air packs, your air packs will be placed uh, in the management system, whether that's a clipboard and a piece of paper or, or automated, you're going to, you're going to log your air packs. You're going to check your rigs out. You're going to do this. You're going to be in uniform. If you drive all of that through policy and your officers hold those, those employees accountable Correct. and keep them and keep them in, in order of doing it, then you build consistency and right. it's, it's your actions, but the consistency was originally built off the expectations of the policy. I love it. I love it. Let's talk about level of expectation. You have to set that level of expectation in order for people to understand how they need to deliver. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, so, I think to go ahead, brother, please. I want no, to go. go. No, 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 no. I, I was, I, that, no, I've been talking too much, Jeremy. You no, go. actually you haven't talked enough. I talk too much on this thing. No, the, <laughs> the, the whole point, the whole point of this, right. It, with those two words, they go hand in hand. And too often we hold people accountable for uh, things that we thought they should know or things that we as a fire department has failed them with, meaning we haven't set that level of expectation. We have not educated, trained, 
and encourage them to understand and learn what the level of expectations are, whether it's delivery of our services, whether it's how you conduct yourself in the firehouse or in the public and X, Y, and Z, it goes right down the, right down the line. If we don't set that level of expectation and then remain consistent about that, we can't then hold people accountable because as a department, we've set them up to fail. Right. That's, so, and that's just it, right? I mean, like, that's that's my thing. And I go back to uh, my days as a rook, man, and, and, and being a probie. And I go back to my number one guy, man, like my mentor. And that's his name was Mike Lane, but everybody called him Pops. And Pops passed away a few years ago. And he was that guy, man. Like, I, I don't know how else to say it, Jeremy, other than he was just, he was my guy. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, you know, the number one thing, and I talk about it in my class, I talk about it anytime I talk about Pops, is this is what he told me. He said, I will show you my expectations and you will meet them. I love that. So break it down. How powerful is that? Super powerful. Even even today in 2022, how powerful is it for a 19-year-old kid to come into the firehouse, look at their officer shaking in their boots, right? The crew's already out checking the rig, drinking coffee, smoking cigars. They're already linked up, right? They have a good brotherhood going on. And you're the oddball out, and you're staring at this officer knowing, like, you cannot mess up. How powerful is it for him to, to shake the officer's hand and the officer tell him, hey, go put your stuff on the rig. Today's going to be a good day. And I just want you to understand one thing is that I will show you my expectations, and you will meet them. Like, man, talk about a, a, a breath moment. Like, take a breath moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, hundred percent. just – Oh, dude. It sets the table, though. It sets the table. Right. Exactly. It sets the table. Your anxiety comes down. Your your brain unlocks. You 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 stop shaking in your boots and you're like, okay, I will be okay. Where I will be okay. Where it just happened mm -hmm. to me. It just happened to me. uh, Let me look at my tablet here. Week eight. I've been assistant chief for eight weeks. (laughs) <laughs> it just happened to me it, it happened to me 10 weeks ago when they offered me the job i didn't apply for this job i was appointed and wow. when i appointed it one of my fears was failing because i've always been an ops guy right and i've always been the guy that's just man i'm i'm gonna put my gear on i'm gonna make i'm gonna make jobs i'm gonna help where i can i'm gonna build firefighters to to be the best they can do and i'm gonna provide a career for them they deserve and and I, there's no way that I will be successful in admin. And I had a fire chief look me in the eyes and tell me, I will not let you fail. I will help you. Man, Damn. like that, that made, that made, that made the decision so much easier. Yes. And, you know, of course it's a lot to consider, but knowing like, okay, he will not let me fail. Doesn't mean he's not going to rip me. <laughs> Doesn't mean that I'm not going to mess up. Doesn't mean that he's not going to hold me accountable. But what it means is, when he rips me, he's going to teach me. What it means is when he holds me accountable, that's going to be attached to a lesson. It means that when he can catch me in the hallway and share some knowledge, he's going to do it. So that I don't even have to think about over the weekend. I need to think about real life questions and how this affects me and my family, not wonder, will I be successful? Because I will be. He told me I will be. That's, that's, so, I will not let you fail. Do you know how many guys across this country feel like their leadership, their boss, their senior men fail them regularly. 100%. It is I it is it. I failed mine. That's why I teach. That's why I present about it now. I do I do know that uh story. I've heard you talk about it. Um it's super super powerful. Um and uh and so on. And you know, I just, you know, uh, I just uh, I want to throw that olive branch out there to people that listen to this content, this show. And when we talk about things like this, you know, it has been a, a, a career long ambition of yours to create a culture in your fire department that endorses your people and picks them up. And unfortunately that is not the case in many places. And so, you know, there are things that we should discuss too then as to if you're not privy to a department like that, or you're struggling to find somebody that would, that would share, share that with you that, Hey, I will not let you fail. I mean, that is, that is a, a very different mindset than what most are dealing with. It just is. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, and this type of content, when we talk, is so important to validate to these, to these people that are looking for something more outside of their own department 
these conversations, and this is why, like, I'm really pushing myself to get content out every day because I feel like this is an escape for a lot of people when they listen to these podcasts that they there's still some hope for them. You know, there's, yeah. st- there's still some hope that, like, hey, man, maybe my department's not 100% right now, but maybe this will push me to reach out to find a, a guy somewhere else, reach out to another department, reach out to, uh, you know, extend a, a hand across the aisle to make something a little bit better. I mean, those are the things that we need to do and preach about because not every place is perfect, and Paraland's not perfect either, right? I mean, you're working right. on building a culture and creating a fire department that endorses their people, but you're still going to have your hiccups. Everybody does. It's reality. And so, you know, I just it, it just goes to be said that, you know, we, we recognize not every department and not everything is sunshine and rainbows. It's just it can't be. Yeah, it can't, and it won't be. You know, I mean, here's the thing is like there's that old meme that that floats around social media that says people don't leave jobs. They leave bosses. Yes. And and you know what? Hey, I like it and I believe it's true. But I also call I also call some BS on it and throw the penalty flag because I don't think people just leave bosses. I think there's a lot of good bosses. I think people leave bad culture. Yes. I think people leave leave departments that are not supported either at the city level or at the fire chief level or the assistant chief level. I think people leave departments. I don't, I don't want to say like, Oh, I have a bad boss because you know what? Every department, I don't care how good it is. Even the FDNY has bad bosses. Sure. And, and we have to, we have to make sure that we're good bosses and that we invest in our people. But at the end of the day, they'll put up with a bad boss if they have a really good culture that's being supported. Right. Yes. And, 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 Good culture comes with road bumps, and we've definitely had that in Pearland, right? I mean, let's let's be honest here. Pearland Career Fire Department is 15 years old. Right, it's new. We went from from nine people per shift, 18 total full timers, to 181 in 15 years. You don't think we had some bumps, man? A hundred percent. And this is where I get like, you want to talk about transition, brother. You are fantastic. Cause that is exactly transitioning into where we were going to take this conversation, which well done, sir. And that's talking about the fast growth in, of new departments and, and you know, suburban sprawl and, and how departments are dealing with that because there are tremendous growing pains that are happening on a daily basis across this country with a lot of fire departments that are growing very quickly to the point that the growth is is uh, outpacing their ability to provide adequate services. Mm-hmm. 100%, man. So let's and hop in on that, man, please. Yeah, it's – it's uh... Man, it's it's a I hate to say this word again because it's like curse, but it's a pandemic in itself, man. Um, you know, the the sad truth of 2022 is that people do not have the time to volunteer anymore, nor do the families support them dying for free. Right. <laughs> like we'll just put it out there. Right. And so a lot of what you call volunteer fire departments are having to go career, which is great in an aspect of you're going to get 24 hour firefighters around the clock. You're going to get you know, some, some city services that are supported. You're going to get faster response times. Maybe if, if your volunteer department didn't have a staffing plan or anything for, for staying over the night. But what that comes with is we don't have the number of firefighters out there to come apply. We don't have all the money it takes. Some cities don't have all the money it takes to start a fire department. So they have to do it in phases. And then it just takes, uh, uh, competition or it makes competition greater between cities because now instead of like when i got on the job only having four or five departments in the area that has an option to go test you might have 40 or 50 now and so you you look at all of that and you start to say okay how can we do this and uh and man like for Pearland, it's always been about the people like it, like we can get into some other sides of it but sure. like the only reason that we were able to move fast the only reason we were able to sustain this rapid growth that we still sustain today, the only reason that we've been able to be successful, even in our failures, we were successful, is the people. Simply put, it was the people. We walked into this place 15 years ago. There was 18 of us. I knew a couple of the guys, and I even taught with a couple of guys at, at other fire schools around the state, but I didn't know everybody. And we sat down in a meeting room on our first day. October 1st, 2007, eight o'clock in the morning, we sat down in the training room and we looked at each other and we said, this department is on our shoulders. It will live or it will die because of us and our actions and how we support each other and take care of each other. And I'll tell you, Jeremy, that is the only reason that we are successful today. Who had that that conversation? 
our the first uh we called them captains back then but they were shift commanders our two shift commanders sat down and we had that conversation as all 18 of us in a room you know that that is that really sets the stage right because not only that but they saw the vision of where you were potentially headed very early on right 100 percent. yeah i mean we knew it right like at that time Pearlane was still 70 square miles we were 86,000 citizens and growing and we only had two fire trucks for the whole city. So, I mean, wow. I'm telling you, brother, my, wow. I was, I was, a, I was driving the truck and it was a, we had to get a quint because we, we had to have some type of firefighting ability. And my first in territory was 37 and a half square miles. That's wild. Wild. I had, <laughs> I had 15 and 18 minute response time. Yeah. So when people want to talk about John Wayne, brother, I lived it. I bet. And and I loved it. Oh, and then the other yeah. side of town was an engine, an engine crew, engine company, and, and they had 33 and a half square miles. Wow. And 86,000 citizens. And it was just nine of us with no other help coming. I have to and think it was nonstop. Nonstop. Nonstop, dude. And what, we had to have each other's back. What was it like? I mean, you have to look back today, right? So 15 years later in Perlin, you have to look back at that and go, that beginning for you, those foundational bricks that you were putting every time you reported to the firehouse, I mean, that had to be an incredible time in your life, but really shaped you to who you are today. Oh, a thousand percent, bro. That was by far the best years of my career because not only did I love it and have fun and get to make a ton of fires, think about it, think about it. 60, 70 working fires a year and you're either first or second in yeah. 50% of the time, yeah. you know? I mean, it was great odds in our favor, right? But yeah, it shaped me because what did I get to learn to do as a firefighter, man? Like, let's think about this and how and how capable uh, we we are. I was able to, as a firefighter, deal with vendors and learn how to put budget packets together and get quotes. I was able to be a logistics person that was in charge of all the logistical concerns in our fire department. I was able to go and present items to council as a firefighter right i was able to to put together uh bids on apparatus and build and spec apparatus so i was able to obtain all of these skills and necessary avenues right to get things done in a fire department at the rank of firefighter that only supported me as i went through the through the ranks into the officers and you know what i love about that that is that is the best thing in the world because it gives a guy it just keeps giving you a little bit more for you to want a little bit more right so we, we keep giving you a little bit of here a little bit here you get to do a little bit more here you're you're a firefighter but we're going to let you handle this and your department allowed you to do it because frankly they didn't have a choice so they had to have a culture in where they were going to bring other guys in to help facilitate the growth and the scaling of this department. And so for you, that's fantastic because it's like the fire ground, man. Like sometimes not more is better, right? Like, you know, it's right. a lot of fun when you're on like a three-man engine and you're there for the first three, four minutes by yourself. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? Like you're, the lessons learned and the the quickness in your step is just a little bit more when you got more to do with less people. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And that's the thing is like, you know, yes, we're, we're, we're becoming a, a large fire department. I mean, we're, we're the second largest fire department in this area, in the Houston area. We're only second to Houston and, okay. and we're the, and we're the only fully career fire department in the area uh, as Houston still has some volunteers. Got it. So, um, and I say fully career, like the largest fully career so, I mean, like we're getting there. Right. But the, the thing of it is, is like, I got to experience things as a probie and, and in this fire department together with everybody else. And I got to learn skills as a firefighter in this fire department that I didn't learn my first seven years and that I can promise you several probies out there around this area don't learn today. Yes. The probies in Pearland don't learn those skills today because we no longer have to utilize every living breath in order to make the fire department successful. And so I, I, I count it as a blessing, man. Like all those hours spent at, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old. And then, you know, on and more in Pearland, all those years spent together, like that made me who I am today. And all those skills that I obtained allow me to establish relationships across the city 
because I can speak their language in some sense. Now, I haven't kept up with it so much over the years, but I can tell people, like, yeah, man, so in 2007, when I was in charge of uniforms, this is how we were operating, like what has changed? And you know what? Some things have and some things haven't, but I'm still able to understand what people are trying to explain to me because I was a part of it. And and that's that's what I consider the ultimate mentor, man, is, is to have those shift commanders sit us down and say, we have to stick together. We have to split all these projects up. You have to be in charge of all this stuff. And it wasn't just me, right? Like we had firefighters in charge of SCBA. We had firefighters in charge of bunker gear and firefighters in charge of cleaning and inspections of bunker gear. And and I was on the training committee. So I had to work with the volunteer associate state association and the commission on certification. So I got to meet and know all these people that still work in both organizations today and say like, oh, yeah, I remember talking to you, Jacob. Like, yeah, I do, brother. And, and here's where we've gone and here's where we've grown. And this is why you don't hear from me anymore. And and they're just amazed. But, you know, what's funny is when you're in the mix of growing a fast-paced fire department and rapidly expanding, Jeremy, it feels like you're in slow motion. Really? Everybody from the outside is like, I cannot believe y'all done all that in 15 years. And I can't believe y'all have exploded like this. I can't believe the city's doubled in population in 15 years. I can't believe the firehouses have doubled in 15 years. And I'm like, really? Because, man, like it, whew, it seems like it took forever. You know, well, hey, from the back, outside looking in, man, where you don't have any sweat equity, blood and tears put into it. Yeah, it looks easy or, or yeah. it looks it looks difficult while you're in the trenches and you're like, you know what? We got this, man. Right. I mean, yeah. you, you got a department that's instilling ownership in their own people. And then you take that ownership. Right. Because, you know, for I mean, listen, you ask firemen today to take on added burdens or added responsibility. And it's like, well, is that in the contract or am I supposed right. to be doing that or am I being compensated yeah. for that or am I? Whereas years ago, you know, for you guys, it was like, man, if we're going to survive and build a department that we have the ability to build, we need to take ownership of everything that's happening here and we need to be able to scale accordingly. And to do that, we got to eliminate the growing pains as much as possible by allowing us to spiral out of control and, and become something we don't want to be. Exactly, man. And that's what it was, right? I mean, it was like, there was no days off. Like we were on shift yeah. work, but there was no days off. Right. Because even on my days off, I was dealing with vendors or, or the uh, the firefighter that was in charge of SCBA was was dealing with stuff like that or helping other shifts figure out their logs and stuff. So, you know, there was no days off for anybody. But, man, we loved it. Like absolutely loved it Does because it we saw from the day one, we saw it in our shift commander's faces. We saw that they – there was a greater goal than just being in charge of, of these projects or just learning these processes. Like the greater goal was to have what we have today. And it's like, I sit back, like we just celebrated our 15th anniversary and I sit back with those guys. We call each other the OGs. Right. And so like, I sit back with those guys and I'm like, man, can y'all believe this? And like, nope. Like, do you remember like when we were here or we made this call and we're like, yeah. And like, you remember how like, small we were and how like we like jeremy i used to throw fire department crawfish boils at my house because there was only 18 of us <laughs> why'd you, know? you do it today like, see what your wife says yeah yeah, yeah no right. way yeah right yeah. exactly you know? it's exactly. like today to invite one shift would be 50 people yeah that's you wild. Know, it's, it's, it's wild. So man. let me, let me ask you this, right? How important is it for you? I know what it is. I know what it means to me. And I want to ask you because I think you're very much in line with, with how I think and, and so on. How important is your own personal fulfillment and satisfaction in, in your hustle and your drive to do better? So how's it like, how, 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 how important is that to you? Is that something that you look at and you go, you know what? I need fulfillment. I need to be sure that I'm doing my very best and putting my best foot forward because that's how I sleep well at night. That that's the only thing that drives my soul, man. Yeah. I, I, like, I knew that was going to be your answer. Talk about that a little that, bit because it goes hand in hand with everything we've just been talking about. Right. Yeah. I mean, dude, look, I mean, at the end of the day, like mentoring and seeing, mentoring is the, the fire service is my passion, but mentoring and seeing other people succeed is what drives my soul and defines my mission. Like that's the easiest way to put it. Like it, it's, it, that is what give my fulfillment is seeing those around me succeed. Like I've had so much success and I've had such a great career and I've had 
so many wonderful things happen to me over the years. Like I don't need any more. I just need my people to be happy and I need my people to love the job like I do. And I feel like it is my one priority in life is to provide a career for them that they deserve. Like, and, and, and I tell them this all the time, like guys, if God stood before me today, I would tell him, take me, don't take them. Like, I want y'all to have what I've had over the last 22 years, and I want you to have all of it. I want you to enjoy all of the happy times. I want you to see positive in all the sad times, and I want you to understand that even in your highest of highs, when you've had the most success that you've ever had, that in those moments of failure, there's still success, and you need to hold on to that. And you need to drive to learn from that. And you need to 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 use that as motivation to be more successful in the future. And that's that's what drives me, man. Like, yes. So when I talk about do I need that fulfillment, I need it by seeing the fulfillment in others, not for myself. Yeah, I get it. I get it because you're full. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally get it. Let me ask you this with the with the with the growth of your department, you you've been there from the early days, which we talked about to where you are today and, and doubling the size of the city and the department's growing so fast and, and so on. Um, people are always looking for, you know, tips and ideas and things like that. Any uh, one or two things that you could to say to guys that are going through similar departments. I've, I'll set the stage, right? I was at a function actually in Texas a while back and I was moderating a round table and a, a young kids, you know, we did like an open floor and then anybody can ask a question. And this kid, Stood up, young kid, and he said, hey, man, uh, I'm in a fire department here locally, and I'm a senior guy, and he, and he has, like, seven years on the job, and he's being promoted to lieutenant because the department's growing so fast, like two or three stations every year. They're bringing more people on, and he's like, I'm not ready for that position, but I'm being put into that position. I'm being thrusted into that position. I don't think I'm ready for it, but I, I don't know what to do. And the, the panel said, hey, if you're not going to do it, Somebody else is going to have to do it, but you got to do it. Like, if not you, right. who? So mm -hmm. give me some tips or things that maybe some of these younger guys in these fast-paced departments that might be stepping into positions that they're not overly comfortable with yet. I mean, this is this is reality. So people could say, well, if you're not ready, you're not ready. Bullshit, right? Like, it's not how right. that works anymore. So, like, maybe you have just in, in fast-growing departments – uh, a word or two of wisdom or ideas or thoughts that you could put together just as some advice or uh, some things to, to think about or ideas or things that have worked for you, things that didn't work um, and so on, just to kind of set the stage for some of these guys that might be looking for some direction. Absolutely. I mean, so first off, right, like you're never going to be ready for the next promotion ever. Like when I promoted to company officer, I didn't think I was ready. When I promoted to battalion chief, I didn't think I was ready. And now I sit here eight weeks into assistant chief and I didn't think I was ready. Right. And if you if you think that you're ready, then you will fail. So if you don't think that you're ready, you will be a success because you don't want to you don't want to prove yourself right. Number one. Uh, number two, man, you have to absolutely love the job. Like and I, I preach this everywhere I go, man, like you should you should always understand you have two passions in life. One, to be a, a wonderful family person, whether you're a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or son or a daughter. You should be a good person at home and you need to be a good human being at work. And every day when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you should end it with reading something fire related and loving the job. And, and I don't care if you just read one passage from a book or if you scroll through uh, a firefighter Facebook page, or if you go to fire engineering or firehouse or firefighter nation or fire rescue on whatever, any of those websites and just pick a short article article and read it, read something, stay involved with the job, love the job. And, and when you do that, the fast pace will always be there, but you will feel like you were going through it, uh, walking through mud because you're, you're taking your time. You're loving the job. You're getting into it and you're going out and training. A lot of our ability in these fast-paced departments are due to us not having the confidence but overcoming it with just hard work. So just go put in the hard work, man. Like, you will be a success because even though you're not ready, I promise you in every department there's somebody there to tap you on the shoulder and say, I got you. I love that. And I've had, and I've had that since the beginning, and I'm telling you it works, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Talk to me about – 
the culture is so strong in Paraland is because that's how you guys have started from the from the ground up. You've had the ability to mold and shape your department where you're endorsing your people and putting forth a strong culture where people want to be there. Departments that also grow fast, sometimes they're they're playing catch up or they lose sight of any history or any uh, or or they lack history. There's nothing there that they're building upon. What they're building is the history today. Right. That's There's right. a lot of firehouses are sterile. They're blank walls, cinder block walls. No, nothing on the no company pride. No, you know, departmental uh, photos, all that, because they're just scaling so fast that it's more institutional. And it's more of a job. Mm-hmm. How do we get so, around? How do we get around that? Well, a couple things. One, uh, captain logs, if, especially in new departments, you got to have captain logs right down your day. Uh, write it down so it's so it's written. That is your history right there. Number one. Number two, take pictures. You have to take pictures. Like I am so grateful that for whatever reason, we always had cameras, uh, the 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 disposable cameras on the fire engines and, and ladder trucks here because we have I have a ton of pictures on my computer from 2007, 2008, 2009. Um, and and to talk about talk about the old days. And when yes. I say old days, I, I understand that you know we just had this comment yesterday like i can tell you like oh back in the day and for Pearland, that might only be five years ago because we're only 15 years old but at the end of the day talk about the old days and honor those who who no longer work here or who you know like in Pearland's case some who have passed on talk about them and share their message and share their history and share their life you know and that's the thing like understand that in a fast-paced department and i say this to every new hire class we have understand this you will never be able to sit down in a firehouse and read a captain log from 1800s in this firehouse that's okay because in 30 years somebody's gonna gonna come in and sit down and they're gonna read your chapter of our history books you are getting to dictate and and document the history of Pearland fire department and you all get a chapter with your name on it it is up to you and your actions and in your words and how you treat people, if they're going to sit and read that chapter, or if they're going to sit over it, skip over it, it's up to you. If it's going to be two pages long or 120 pages long, bro, that's so awesome. Something worth reading chief. That's fantastic. I really, really like that. There's so much value in that, man. I, I love that. I think the other thing too, like you said, right. Is just talk about it. I, I've been, I've been ending these podcasts now with just saying something to the effect of as long as we're talking positive about the job, we're making the job better. Keep talking about the job. We make the job better. And all it takes is one guy, whether it's the junior guy or the most senior guy at that table, kitchen table or the apparatus bay or you know, uh, working out back or sitting out back on a picnic day, whatever. All it takes is one guy to bring up a story or ask a question about something, and it gets that conversation going. Yep, and I just, 100%. I love, I love being, and that's really a lot of the foundation of National Fire Radio was built on capturing the story of the senior man and mm-hmm. sharing it to the generation that's listening on podcasts and things like that. I can't let these guys leave the job and take all their stories and experiences with them. It was killing sure. me to watch that happen. And so this was all about, this is now in perpetuity. Like your captain logs, that's what this is. That's what these podcasts are. They'll yep. be here forever. Whether people yep. want to listen to them or not, I'm putting it out there in perpetuity so that my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids, there's a there's a living testament of who I was and my passion for the fire service, and it will always be there. It's the same with those captain's locks, man. You build yeah. your own history. You make your own history. You build your own traditions. 100%. 100%, man, and you have to. Like you said, it's perfect, man. The other day we were sitting there, and they were like, how did this – and I forget what it was. How did this – I think it was a picture, a logo that was painted on the wall. Yeah. Or, or no, I'll tell you what it was. I'm sorry. I saw it on Facebook. One of the new rookies here, one of the new probies, uh, sent uh, or posted a picture of the uh, assignment board in the firehouse. And all I commented was, I sure hope somebody told you the history of, of that assignment board. And then that kicked off a conversation the next morning at the coffee table here at work was like, well, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, I okay, love well, let me that. tell you about the history. It used to be a dry erase board 
dry erase paint that we painted on the wall. That was our assignment board. And then when we built a new one, we filled out the dry erase board and permanent marker and we hung the new one right over the top of it. And so one day when you unhang that assignment board, you're going to see the original members of Firehouse Five's name behind that on the original assignment board. And, and that led into how we got the pictures on the wall and how did we get the painting and why is the station designed the way it is? And I was able to explain all of that to them. And it only started with one thing, right? One picture, one question. It's all it takes. And, yeah, but you as the senior guy or you as the senior person or you as the as the 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 knowledgeable one at the table, you have the absolute uh, obligation yes. to answer those questions and spread the history. And if you don't do it, then you are failing as a senior person in that fire department. I couldn't agree with you more, man. We need to talk more. We need to tell more stories. We need to have more laughs and more tears. That's what we need to do. 100%. That's what Absolutely. we need to do. I love your story about the board, the assignment board, because frankly, the conversation came through social media, right. which is just a wild twist to the way things are today. But it's a nod to the fact that you can still build conversation and still culture and still the storytelling of your fire department, even if the conversation stems from social media. It's fantastic. That's right. I love yes, that. Sir. I love that. So, Chief, tell me what what's on your mind, man. Uh, you know, I said as we start to wind down, you know, a little bit, I was going to ask you, I like asking all my guests lately, like, what's on their mind? Because I know I spend a lot of time in a car, and I'm always, my brain is always going. And lately, uh, now more so than ever, I have been keeping a running log of things that are going through my brain on the regular basis. And so I have this massive list of topics that I want to hit. And everything that I think of... It could be something in life, but I always relate it back to the firehouse, back to the fire right. service, how it affects us, how how we how we deal with that, how we would look at that, things like that. Are is there a topic or or a few topics, something that is a positive or negative that like you rack your brain on driving, you you get lost on your way home from work, and and your brain wanders a little. Like, what is a topic that you've been thinking about? Man, I'll be honest with you. Yep. I, I have I have a couple. Good. And but the two but the two that keep me up at night is how do I, especially right now, how do I as an assistant chief, how do I go through my day to make sure that I make decisions that affect the fire department in a positive way that I would not bitch about if I was still a BC. Got it. How how can I, how, what, what can I do or what processes can I follow or what questions can I ask that are going to make every decision I make as, a, as an assistant chief easier to swallow on the line? Because I used to be one of those guys years ago that was a loud drum banger and uh, came with no resolutions, right? And, uh, and so how do I defeat the Jacobs of 2013, right? Like that's, that's yeah. what I keep thinking in my brain. And then two is how do I continually, consistently provide a career that every member in this fire department deserves and how do I support their ultimate goal? Like, I don't believe for a second that somebody comes in the fire service and says, I just want to be a dud for my whole career. And, and I don't believe for a second that somebody comes into our logistics or our fire marshal's office or our training division and says, I want to do this one job right here for 30 years. I don't believe that. I believe that everybody has an ultimate goal for the job. And how do I, one, pull that out of them. Two, provide a path for them. And three, give them the career that they deserve to reach those ultimate goals. Like, that's personally what keeps me up at night. That's what I think about on my way home. I don't even put the radio on. Like, yeah. I think about the day. Okay, what did I do today? And how is that going to relate to the floor? And 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 if I was still a battalion chief, like just eight weeks ago, right, would I be bitching about this or would I be supporting it? And how would I be doing it, right? And, uh, and that's, that's what it is for me, man, is, is it's not just one issue. It's everything. It's decisions, it's leadership, it's mentoring. It's how do, how, you know, how do you get the probies to just absolutely fall in love with the job? So that way they understand how dangerous it is. How do you get them to understand that when they see a house full of people, they're not seeing human beings necessarily that, that they should see expectations. How do you get them to understand that those expectations have to be met? Uh, how do you how do you get them to understand that at, at eight o'clock in the morning when you look at a house, there's probably a mom with a small child there drinking her coffee, watching Mickey Mouse Club and her husband at work has expectations that he's going to come home to a house and a wife and a kid. 
how do, how do how do you accept that that same family has has a kid in in elementary or junior high or high school and that kid has an expectation they're going to come home to a parent and to a house like those that is how do i get that into ingrain that into the kids that are coming on the job today in pearland so they understand the ultimate price that they have to pay to meet the expectations that we see in these homes and in these cars driving down the street and how do i relay the information to them that it is their job to go home and explain that ultimate price and that ultimate sacrifice to their family so that way their family continues to support them so even on their darkest days their family lifts them up instead of saying i wish you'd get off the job or don't ever get hurt or don't go risk yourself for these people because at the end of the day, that family that they're talking to, that's their own family. They have expectations for their fire department. They just never talk about. Damn. Well, with that brother, I mean, that's just a testament to who you are and the passion you have. You're putting everybody before yourself and it's just, uh, it's evident. And uh, I've heard you speak about it and just sitting here tonight for the time that we've spent together on this episode, Uh, brother, your passion and love for this job and for your people uh, is just spilling over and it's infectious. And um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being in love with the job and thank you for your willingness to put yourself out there and share it with everyone else And uh, because it matters. And uh, I just can't thank you enough, man. Keep loving this job. Keep doing what you're doing, Chief. Congratulations on the, uh, the appointment to Assistant Chief. That's exciting. And, uh, you know, I, I can't think of a better guy th- uh, who loves his department more than you. So I think, uh, I think it's the right place for you, and I think you're really going to enjoy it and excel at it. I really appreciate it, Jeremy. I had a blast, dude. I can't believe it's already been an hour, man. It's, I know, uh, right? Yeah. I feel like we could talk for, for to, till tomorrow morning. We can, and we're going to do that. And, you know, we're going to bring you back. <laughs> so this, I mean, the, the goal of what we're doing today and, and what I've been doing now for the last couple of weeks is, I want to put out a new episode every day. I think that uh, I have, I feel this obligation to push myself to do more because I know that people get value out of these episodes and that's important Absolutely. to me. And, um, and if I can bring on guys like you who get to share their passion and love for the job and, uh, and so on, that matters. And uh, if I can put it on a platform that people are listening to, then we win and uh, we all win. And we make this job better. So, brother, don't go anywhere. I'm going to sign out, and then uh, I'll be right back to you. So just hang in. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. That was Assistant Chief Jacob Johnson of the Pearland, Texas Fire Department. He is a man that loves a job. Jacob, you are still here. Tell everybody where they can find you real quick, because I know you go around, you speak at conferences, uh, and so on. So how can people get a hold of you? Where can people find you if they want to pursue this conversation further? Absolutely, brother. So you can find me on on the socials, of course, on Facebook, just under my name, Jacob Johnson. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Jacob Johnson, comma, CFE. That's Charlie. What is that? Charlie Frank Edward. And uh, and then I am on Instagram. I just don't post a lot on there because I really don't understand Instagram, but it's (laughs) under BC Johnson 1012. And, uh, man, as always, they can always shoot me an email at my first and last name, Jacob Johnson, 012 at gmail.com, which 012 is my badge number in Pearland as the 12th member to be badged in this city uh, out of the original 18 that were hired. So awesome. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And uh, if anybody, if, if anybody wants to carry on the conversation, Chief Johnson certainly uh, knows no scaling departments, growing departments, as you just learned over this past hour. And so if you have any questions or, or uh, you're interested in hearing him speak further or, or maybe getting his class together and having him speak, uh, he certainly would love to chat with you. So reach out to him. But I just want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode and uh, keep talking about the job because it makes the job better. So thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.